excited about tonight's service. Uh, thank you for making it on out. Again, not letting any rain stop you <laughs> from making it out. Man, I tell you what, uh, rain is good. We need rain. But we thank God that it stops when it needs to stop as well. Amen? <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 12, verse 27. We've been talking about the righteousness of God and the peace of Jesus. And how many of you guys know what the peace of Jesus is by now? The peace of Jesus, uh, we're going to look at this in a, a little bit more detail, but uh, it's not just talking about harmony. It's not just talking about um, just nothing missing, lacking, or broken. That's, those are definitely parts of it. But we've learned that the peace of Jesus is something more specific uh, as it relates to peace. Uh, John 12, 27 in the New Living Translation says, uh, oh, no, that's not it. Uh, did I say John 12? John 14, 27. Sorry about that. John 14, 27. Yeah, that's it. John 14, 27. It says, I am leaving you with a gift. And what did Jesus say? It's peace of mind and what? Heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or don't be afraid. Let's look at this in the uh, Amplified. John 14, 27 in the Amplified, it says it this way. He says, peace I leave with you, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated. And he says specifically here, and cowardly and unsettled. Um, so we've learned that this peace here is not talking about just general peace, but uh, that word irene, uh, which is spelled E-I-R-E-N-E, -E, uh, in your concordance, it actually means the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earth, earthly lot, whatsoever sort that is. So this is a certain assurance, is what Jesus is saying. I'm leaving you with this peace or this assurance in your mind that you're right with God. He's saying, this is the peace I have. I have this peace that I'm right with God. Why? We're going to read in a minute because Jesus not only came uh, to, to be the only one who can make us right with God, but he did that by fulfilling the law. Jesus said, I'm sure that I'm good with God. You want to know why? One, he's my father, but two, I've actually lived out and fulfilled this law. Now, I'm the, he's the only one that can do it. And he said, so I'm going to leave you this same peace or this same assurance I have. I'm going to leave it to you. And I think the King James Version says it's a gift. This gift I'm going to give to you. Now, can you earn a gift? A gift is only given. And a gift can only be received. Now, if it was something that could be earned, that would actually be compensation for you. But Jesus said, this is a gift, and I'm, I'm leaving this gift to you, and, and as a result, you're going to have what I have. It's, he says, peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you, not as the world giveth, give I to you. Then he says, let not your heart be troubled. Trouble about what? Well, trouble that you're in trouble with God. He said... Again, this is not something in your body necessarily. It's something in your mind where you're understanding 
I am right with God because of what Jesus did, and as a result, I don't have to be afraid. Archie, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, again, go back to the definition, the tranquil state. We talked about this on Sunday. What happens when you tranquilize a horse? Does the horse die? No, but it surely is at rest. So this is a restful state, not of a body, but of a soul. What's my soul? My mind, my will, and my emotions. The tranquil state of a soul, assured. Where does assurance happen at? Does assurance happen in your body? Does assurance happen in your, your spirit? Man is the three-part being, right? We are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. So if it doesn't happen in my, uh, my body, if, it's, if assurance doesn't happen in my spirit, then where does assurance take place at? In my mind, in my soul. So this is saying arrested soul or arrested mind that has been assured of its salvation. So this isn't necessarily saying this piece is directly salvation. It's saying this is an assurance in your mind that you're saved. Now the only way I can be saved is if I am right with God. And the only way to be right with God is to be indeed one who has fulfilled the law. Well, we didn't fulfill the law, so Jesus said, I'm going to give you my certificate, for lack of a better word, for fulfilling the law. Uh, one example I said was he passed the test and he's given us his A. And he said, I'm giving you this gift and I'm passing it on to you. Now be at peace, be rested and assured in your mind that you got it. But not through your works, but it says this is an assurance of our salvation through Christ. It's through what he did. Did you hear what I said? It's through what he did. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because if I understand that this assurance comes through Christ and what he did, then I am not worried or afraid that when I make a mistake, I now lose my peace. My peace should never be disrupted by my behavior because my behavior didn't get me this peace. His behavior got me this peace. Now, the moment Jesus gets to sinning, the moment he gets to acting up, the moment he um, falls out of grace, then that's when I need to be worried. Because I got his peace. And the moment his behavior changes, now his peace is no good. But how many of you guys know that Jesus ain't changing? Amen. How many of you guys know his behavior is never going to be sinful? Amen. How many of you guys know that Jesus ain't making no mistakes? So as long as the sacrifice is good to go, who, is, who was Jesus, then I'm good to go in his peace. I can rest assured in that. But the moment I start thinking it's because of my behavior, yeah, I'm not going to have any peace because guess what? I messed up last night. I messed up yesterday. I messed up last week. And, and that's what people who walk around with that mentality of, it's, it's, it's me, I have to work it out, I have to do something, they'll never be at rest, they'll never be at peace, because all they're doing is going to tell themselves, now I have to perform and work to try to stay right. And Jesus is saying, those days are over. I'm leaving you a gift of my peace, and so rest assured that all is well through me. But then the B part of that definition says, and so fearing nothing from God. I don't fear punishment from God anymore because my righteousness is no longer an issue. I'm right with God. It's like you got a boss at work and, you know, you, you, you uh, totally messed up an account. And so you're expecting to 
have some form of punishment the next time you see that boss. And some of us, you know, you, you may try to do everything you can to avoid that boss. Or you may, if you're responsible, you may actually come to them in advance, telling on yourself. Saying, I messed up. Please have mercy on me. Please forgive me. Please don't fire me. Please don't whatever else like that. And that's, that's kind of the two sides of a, a law-based and performance-based Christian. Either we're running away and hiding from God because we're afraid of punishment, or we're coming to God saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And he's saying, what are you talking about? You're right with me. Yeah, you messed up, but, but I, I don't see your mess up. I see Christ. Yes, you should be punished, but he already took the punishment for you. So whether you're the, the person who thinks I got to run from God or you're the person who says I'm mature and I'm responsible, so I'm going to go in before him and I'm going to cast this all at his feet and say, please forgive me. He said, you're already forgiven. Jesus said, that's the gift I left to you. So you don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be cowardly. That wasn't talking about being a coward in life in the Amplified. He was talking about being a coward before God. Go back to the uh, Amplified version of that. Let's, let's see that real quick. Because here it says, neither uh, let your, not your heart be troubled or your mind be troubled, but don't be afraid. And don't permit yourselves to be fearful before God. He wasn't talking about just in life. He was saying, don't be fearful. You got to keep this in context. Or context. Uh, don't be intimidated. By who? By sin. Don't be cowardly. Don't be unsettled. You have to be settled in your position that you're in. What is my position? You have a position of righteousness. You have a position that's firm in God. Why is that important? Because when you realize what your position is in him, you will now be able to walk boldly as a son and daughter of God. You'll be able to, as that scripture says, come boldly before the throne of grace and ask for help in a time of trouble. But if I think I'm about to get fired, if I think I'm about to get disciplined, then how many guys know that's going to affect my confidence and my boldness? Instead, I don't want to bother the boss because they might be mad at me. Even though I need help, even though I need, even though I need, you know, I need insight, even though I need whatever, I'm not going to talk to them right now. I'm going to actually stay away from them. Or I am going to get into their presence and I'm going to use all of my time with them instead of talking about things to go forward. All of my time is going to be hoping I get mercy. And God says, you already got grace. You already got mercy. You're already forgiven. Now let's move on. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So say this with me. Say, I have the peace of Jesus. I am righteous. I am the righteous. Through Christ. That's where we got to settle. The title of this message is We Are the Righteous. This is the part two from uh, Sunday. We're the righteous. You're no longer a sinner, you're the righteous. And you got to get that in your heart. You got to get that in your understanding. Fear, now hear what I'm about to say. Fear in this sense of being intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled before God, I'm not talking about respecting God, fear in the sense of I'm scared of God because of my sin is a sign that you have not received your righteousness. You have it, but you haven't really received it. You don't really believe it. 
Because if you believed it, you would be able to stand boldly before God, not in, not in um, arrogance, but in confidence in what Jesus did. Are you confident in the blood of Jesus? See, that's the question you need to really ask yourself. Was his blood enough? And like I said, it's like that one person I was talking to that was trying to convince me that, you know, this isn't right, this isn't true, that you still got to make sure, you know, every time you sin, you got to get before God and you got to ask him to forgive you and somehow that magically washes you every single time. I said, well, if that was the case, that, that means that the blood of Jesus wasn't enough. The blood of Jesus is only enough up to my last sin. And my words of repentance, if you will, somehow magically resets the clock for me. And I said, this is, that just doesn't line up with the word. If I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. It didn't say you're forgiven up until, I don't know, the next time you sin. It said you're forgiven. Did it not? It says you're righteous. Does it not? It says you have the peace of Jesus, does it not? Then when does that stop? Please somebody show me the scripture that says your righteousness ends here. Let's keep reading. John 16, 33. Let's go there real quick. John 16, 33, and we'll look at this in the uh, New Living Translation. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have what? Peace. Now, peace, how do I get peace? In me. In me. This, your, your peace is purchased through what I'm going to do. That's what he's telling the disciples at this point. He says, your peace is in me. Our scripture disappeared, so I'm going to go to it real quick in here. He said, your peace is in me. Now, who is me? Who is, who's saying this? Jesus. He said, this peace is in me, so that means by what I do and how I do it, that's how you have peace. The King James says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. He said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So this lets you know right here that he's not talking about a peace that says you won't have any issues come up in life. It's talking about something else. He said, in me, you're going to have this assurance that you're saved. In me, you're going to have an assurance that you're right with God. So when the crazy stuff comes up in the world, you won't sit there and think it's because of something you've done. We were just talking to a member earlier before service that was saying at the church they were at before, uh, people would blame the bad things happening in their life on the fact that they didn't do something right in church. And there's people who teach that. Because you didn't do this, that's why something's wrong with your car. Because you didn't do this, that's why something's wrong with your bank account. Because you didn't do this, that's why your husband don't like you no more. Because you didn't do this, and it's, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't in the word. Your behavior doesn't stop God from loving you, and therefore it doesn't stop the blessing from flowing in your life. Didn't he say nothing can separate you from my love? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And we got to get this so that we'll understand that God loves me even in mess I find myself in. Because how many of you guys know the whole point is you need a Savior to help you get out that mess. 
But the enemy wants you to, you to be convinced that you got yourself in this mess and only you can get yourself out of it. And guess what? Now you're, you're the new Jesus all of a sudden, trying to work yourself out of the mess that you worked yourself into. No, the whole point of the law is pointing, it points to the fact that you need a savior. I'm going to show you that. Let me show you that. Um, let's go to Romans 10, 4. Romans 10, 4. Uh, well, let's start at verse 1. Let's start at verse 1 in the King James, and we're going to work our way down to 4. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart, and okay, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Verse 2, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Hmm, that's interesting. You may know something, but, but you, you, you know, you got a zeal, but you, you don't know what you think you know. Verse uh, 3, for they being what? Ignorant of God's righteousness. How many people you know got a zeal of God, but don't know nothing about what it means to be right with God? Sit up here trying to tell me that I, I got to work my way into heaven. You got a zeal. You, you, you may be excited about God, but you look, you look too excited that you're getting past the point of what does his word actually say. We just read about how, to, how do we become righteous is through Christ. That's how I get the peace of Jesus, this gift. Ignorant, though, of what the word actually says. It says, in going, and, and, and read this, it's, it's right here in the King James, and going about to establish their who? own righteousness they're trying to establish their own righteousness. a person who tries to establish their own righteousness is ignorant of god's righteousness what is that word ignorant they're ignoring what the word says about god's righteousness that person has not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of god so anybody who tries to get you to be righteous by working out your own righteousness is trying to get you to not submit to the righteousness of god don't do it. Receive the peace of Jesus and submit to the righteousness of God. I'm, is this not the Bible? It's right here. But no, you got to work it out. That's a lie. That's deception from the pit of hell. Jesus has already worked it out. Amen. Now let's get to verse 4. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Here you are trying to live by the Ten Commandments. You can't live by the Ten Commandments and live by Christ. The two just simply won't go together. Why? Because Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the end of the law to everyone that, now where's my work? Right there. To believe. Let's look at this in the New Living Translation, verse 4. Christ is the end of the law. The law has an end. What's the end of the law? Christ. For Christ has already, what, read that with me, accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. I rest my case right there. I'm made right with God by believing in who? Jesus. Don't be, not, come on, not class. 
Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right with God by believing in Jesus. How many of us want to be right with God? Well, let me ask you this. How many of y'all are right with God? How do you know you're right with God? I what? In who? What do I have to do to be made right with God? Can anybody on earth take that right from me? No. Is God who is in heaven taking that from me? Some of y'all don't sound like you're sure. Is he? Why? He gave it to me. It's a gift. That's hard for some people to get around. But that's what sets people free. And when I figure out that I'm right with God and I got the gift, guess what? Now I'm free to go to him and believe everything else he's saying in here about who I am. Because the foundation is, is I'm righteous. I'm right. I'm okay with God. What is, why is that important? Because now when I'm struggling with something, now when I have sin going on in my life, now when there's something I need help with, I have a home base to come to and say, help. The consciousness of sin and, and the rejection of your righteousness is designed to get you to stay away from your help and to try to work it out on your own and to die and be buried still struggling with whatever it is that's going on. Your Savior wants to help you with whatever's going on. Deliverance is part of the salvation package. But if you don't believe that you're right with God, you will stay away from God, and as a result, Holy Spirit won't be able to help you. God won't be able to transform your thinking. Why? Because I'm staying away from him because I'm scared that I'm not worthy. You see the deception? But instead, when I realize I'm right, when I realize all is well, when I realize I'm not in trouble, I'm right in God's face. I'm right up in his lap saying, help me with this. I've been trying to change on my own, and it's not working out. But, but you know what's going on with me, and yet you know my heart. I am no longer a sinner. I am the righteous, but this sin is still trying to creep up. See, that's what people struggle. Just because you sin doesn't make you a sinner. Sinner was a title that we used to have before we believed in Christ. Now you're the righteous that may be committing a sin. See, somebody, y'all don't want to hear that. It, we all got an issue we're working on. Amen. Some of us have issues. Amen. Amen. And we need a Savior to help us with that. But you got to know that you're going to him as the righteous, as the, as the, the ones who have literally um, believed and therefore are qualified through what Jesus did. We've, we've made, thank you, Holy Spirit, what we have done religiously is we've made the word righteous synonymous with perfect in the natural. You're perfect spiritually through what Christ did, but just because you're righteous doesn't mean you're perfect here on earth. That's the mistake that we as humans, we, we translated and defined that incorrectly. I'm righteous, which means spiritually I'm perfect because of Christ. But naturally, with this body and soul, there's a renewal that has to take place daily, <laughs> hourly, moment by moment, For a, you know what I'm saying? And there's a growth process that's taking place. So just because you're righteous doesn't mean you're naturally perfect. It just means you're spiritually qualified for the Savior to operate in your life. And yes, you do get to go to heaven. 
Are you listening to me? So we need to untangle that and change that definition in our minds and stop saying just because I'm righteous, that means I have to be perfect. No, just because you're righteous, the perfect one lives on the inside of you and will help perfect you. You see the difference? But just because you're not perfect right now in the natural does not make you now digress back to a sinner. No, you're still the righteous. You're still the righteous. Because now if you're a sinner, then that means Christ doesn't live inside of you. And he not ejecting himself out of your life. He loved you too much for that. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So uh, let's look at this in the uh, Amplified, uh, verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law, the limit at which it causes, or sorry, the limit at which it ceases to be. Do you see that? For Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the limit. Christ is where the law ceases to be. For the law, I love this, leads up to him. Did you know that the destination of the law was always Christ? So if you're on the path of living by the law, you're going to end up at Jesus every single time. What does that mean? Well, I'm trying to do it, I fail. I try 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 to do it. I need some help. Here's your Savior. The point of the law was always to lead man to the, to the conclusion that he needed a Savior. And so then the Savior shows up and fulfills the law and says, now for everybody else, I am your solution to this law problem that you got. I am your solution to how you can now be made right with God. You no longer have to try to live by this set of rules. Instead, believe in what I did and now accept my help for everything else. And that's what being saved is all about. And he says, and I've given it to you, and once you believe, you are instantly, somebody say instantly. You're instantly made righteous. Your spirit is perfectly sealed. And your salvation is secure. And that's just what the word says. Let's keep reading. It says, the law leads up to him who is the fulfillment of its types. And in him, the purpose which it was designed to accomplish is fulfilled. Somebody please say this with me. The law is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. One more time. I want you to think about that. The law is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there's nothing left for me to do concerning the law. Because if Jesus did it, what, what is you trying to do? If Jesus took the test, why are you trying to open it? And he aced it. Why are you trying to take the test off the teacher's desk and fill it out yourself? That's what, that's what, it's the same thing. It's like he took the test, he got an A, gave you his A, and you're like, but I want to take it. He says, yeah, but there was only one test and I already filled it out. But you don't understand. I made a mistake, so I got to fill out. Yeah, but, but you, your test doesn't exist because I took the test and passed my test to everybody. Well, I want your test. Give me your test and I'm going to fill out my answers on your test. Well, I can't do that because if I do that, then you're going to screw up the test because you can't do what I do. Only I can ace the test because only I know all the answers. So why don't you just rest 
in the fact that I've taken the test. It's your, no, I want to take the test. I know you want to take the test, but you can't take the test because the test is sealed. It's over. I did it 2,000 years ago. I said it is finished, and there's no more test to take. And still to this day, people are fighting with him, trying to take the test off of God's desk. The test has been passed. The law has been fulfilled. It is finished. That is the purpose of the law is fulfilled in him. As the means of righteousness, right relationship to God for everyone who trusts in and adheres to and relies on, go to the next part of this, him. <laughs> I thought it was going to be this big old thing too. Uh, but, that, but that's it. It's all about him, Period. It literally is 100% about what he did. I, I know, guys, we've been taught all this time it was about us. And it's not. We get to benefit from what he did. Now, is that fair? No. I mean, in a natural sense, that's not fair. We, I mean, we, we live in a society that talks about you should get what you earn, only what you earn. We're not going to get into all the politics of that and everything like that, but that's, that's how the world and the natural really tries to work. You get what you earn. If you, don't, if you don't eat, you don't, I mean, sorry, you don't work, you don't eat. Well, well, but that's not how he works. He says, I'm just giving this to you because I'm good. I'm just, I'm just supplying this for you because I'm good. That's the way of the kingdom. I, I'm giving you more than enough because I'm good, because I got it. You can never do it right, but I'm doing it right for you. Because why, why, God, why would you do this? That's the definition of unconditional love. Grace is undeserved favor. And that's, that's why all of this is the definition of grace, what we're talking about. I am righteous because of God's grace. Not because I deserve it, not because I can earn it. Hopefully those words mean something more now. Will you understand where this thing, that's why I said it's not, this isn't fair. Exactly. That's what makes me, I'll just be honest, that's what makes me worship him even harder. <laughs> that's what makes me serve him even more. Because I stop and say, you gave this to me, God. Jesus, you did this for me simply just because of who y'all are. So I dare not spit in the face of your love and of your sacrifice by trying to work this out on my own. Do you understand that's actually what you're doing? Is, is you're, you're literally saying what you did wasn't enough? How arrogant, how rude to sit and think we can outwork Jesus. But praise God, not a world changer, amen? Amen. amen. All right, let's keep going. Are you getting anything out of this so far? So Christ has accomplished and fulfilled the law. The destination of the law was always who? Jesus. The destination of the law was always who? Jesus. Jesus. And our work as it relates to being righteous or right with God is to do what? What's my job? Believe. To believe. You got to give yourself a hand. <laughs> Amen. 
All right. Let's go to um, Romans 5, verse 12, and we're going to look at verse 21. Actually, uh, Romans 5, 12, we're going to look at verse 18, and then we'll look at some other stuff. Uh, skip to verse 18, and let's go to the uh, New Living Translation first. It says, well then, as, uh, yes, yes, uh, go back to the other version. Was that Amplified? Yeah, go back to Amplified. Let's do that. It says, well then, as one man's trespasses, one man's false step and falling away led to what? Condemnation for who? All men. So one man's act of what? Now, who do you think that's talking about? Who makes us righteous? Yeah, so it's saying Adam and his one trespass led to everybody, all men, being sinners. But one man's talking about Jesus, who came as God in the flesh, his act of righteousness leads to what? Acquittal. His act of righteousness leads to acquittal and not just acquittal, acquittal of what? Your case. What case do I have? Your case of sin has been acquitted because of what Jesus has done. And as a result, it leads to right standing with who? God. And what? Life, not death, because death was a result of what Adam did. But death now is not a part of your sentence. You've been sentenced to life because of what Jesus did. Now, you, you can choose not to receive it. That's up to you. You can choose not to believe it, but you have a sentence of life. I'm going to say that about three more times because I don't think y'all get back. You have a sentence of life. The judge found you guilty and gave you life. Abundant life. To the full. Till it overflows. Why? Because of grace. It's not fair. It's not deserved. But because of what Christ did, you've been sentenced to life. What does that mean? Well, that's life in my body. That, that's life in my spirit, that's that seal, thank you. That's life in my soul. Say this with me. Say, I have, I have life, life because of Christ. Because of Christ. So anytime a devil tries to come to you or anytime anybody tries to come to you and, and, and speak and pronounce death, you say, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I got life. My children have life. My marriage has life. My finances are alive. Everything that's concerning me has life. Not because of me, but because of Christ. I am the righteous standing in my place of undeserved privilege. Uh, let's go, now let's look at this in the uh, New, New Living Translation real quick. It says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. You are in a place to have right relationship with God. It's yours. Go to verse 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became, what's that title? Sinners. So I want you to see this in, in sequential order. So here's Adam. He disobeyed God. And from that time on to a certain point, 
Men were called sinners. And the only way for these sinners to be made right with God, well, let me make sure I say this accurately and precisely. The only way for Jewish people who were given the law, because the law was given to Jewish people. I don't think we have any Jewish people in the room at the moment. So that means for you and I, the law wasn't even given to us. And I can hear your wheels turning. You're like, wait a minute, why well, I'm trying to live by it. I don't know why you're trying to live by it, because it wasn't even for you. I mean, read your Bible. It clearly says it was given to Jewish people. And Gentiles didn't have that type of law or, in that sense, way to be right with God. But let's just ride this out. So the Jewish folk had a law during this time when men were called sinners. And that was the way, if you did this perfectly, you could be made right with God. But how many guys know nobody could do it? Because it was like 613 laws, and it was like if you mess up in one, you don't cut your hair the right way or whatever like that, then as a result, you screwed up all of them. So they had to do these sin sacrifices once a year, and the priest had to do it. And so that's how they were kind of reset with God, if you will. But that was only up to a certain point. Because we just read, you tell me, what was the point that that law ended? Based on the scriptures we just read a few minutes ago. Where was the end? Who was the end of the law? Of the law? Jesus. Who? Jesus. Yes, yeah, Christ was the end of the law, right? So that means that law went up to a certain point and then it stopped. At this new point of Christ was when the new covenant began. Now, somebody tell me, what's that point? Was that when Jesus was born? No, it was when he died, when the blood was shed, because the scripture says, in order for the new will to take effect, or the New Testament to take effect, the testator has to die. And once the testator dies, now the new will or the new covenant can go into effect. And so at that point, when he died, we all know he was resurrected. But at that point when he died, that's when the new covenant went into effect. Why? Because as the perfect sin sacrifice, remember that's what it required to fulfill the law back in the day. You had to have a priest shed the blood, the pure blood, of a pure animal. And it was specific animals. Well, what was interesting was Jesus was the high priest. He even came from a line of priests. So the priest submitted the sacrifice of his own perfect pure blood. And he fulfilled the law with his life. And so on every point, priest, perfect living, and uh, right blood, and perfect blood, he fulfilled everything that had to be done and therefore, that law was done. Case closed shut. Now, the law still has good purpose in the fact that it still shows people you need God. For the people who are trying to live by it, they, it still points them to the fact you, you need Jesus. But for us, that's done. That's over. He obeyed God, and as a result, now I can be right with God. Are you seeing that? So I in no way, shape, form, or fashion need to be trying to live my way, live my life by the law. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
I'm not saying the law was bad. The Bible says it was perfect. But Jesus handled the law. Are you with me? So because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So if my title used to be sinner under the law, what does this say my new title is? Righteous. That's why I say we are the righteous. You're no longer a sinner. Stop saying I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're saved by grace. You were a sinner, and now you're the righteous. Saved by grace, living life. Start confessing who you are. Your identity is everything in this process, guys. Identity is everything for the believer. Why? Because identity aids us in action. If I'm a doctor and I know I'm a doctor, then guess what? I'm going to do, do doctor stuff. <laughs> Amen? If I'm a cop and I know I'm a cop, I'm going to do cop stuff. Whoever I am dictates what I'm going to do. Do you know that many believers don't realize they're the righteous, so they don't live like the righteous? I'm not going to go pray for somebody. Why? Because I got stuff going on in my life. I got sin going on in my life. I don't think God's going to use me like that. You're the righteous. You're good. What are you talking about? You're a child of God. I'm not going to speak to my finances because I got sin going on in my life. And as a result, I don't know if that's going to work because I don't know who I am. No, you're the righteousness of God. Once you conclude, if, if, if I told you right now you were a millionaire, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See, now see yourself as a millionaire. If you, in that, now, if I said you were a millionaire and you knew I had $50 billion in the bank, and I said, everybody in this room right now is a millionaire. As a result of what I'm going to give you. Or not, as a result of what I've already given you. You would be like, y'all would be pulling out your phones right now, checking your account. Why? Because you know I got it. You, you believe that. You would say, he got it. He don't have no reason to lie to me. Y'all would open up your phones, you would check your account, and you'd probably start crying. Freaking out, crying. Why? Because you, 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 you got it now. I possess what he said I got. Now, when you got it, you, you would be like, please, end the message. Because <laughs> I need to go enjoy my, my position. And then you would get up and you would walk out of this room with your new title, with your new status, with your new position, and you would, if you got any sense, you would now live and act in line with your new position, wouldn't you? But you only would know what you got because of what I told you. Well, eventually, obviously, y'all would figure it out with technology, but you get follow me for the analogy. But you would only know because I told you. But if, but if I didn't tell you before you checked your account, you would be sitting here still thinking and living and acting like you were anything less than a millionaire. And I am showing you in the Word what it says you have, that you are the righteous. And now what you have to do is you have to say, God's not a man that he should lie. He also has righteousness to give me. That's what Jesus gave me. And so now I have to accept who I am and start walking, talking, acting in line with who I am. I am a son, I am a daughter of God. And my sonship is indeed my anointing. 
It's the, my ability to get stuff done. Why? Because I now know who I am. I am a joint heir with Jesus. I am an heir of God. I have access to all that they are. So now healing is mine. Prosperity is mine. Life is mine because of what Jesus made available. Now here's the deal. If I'm going to be a recipient of all that they are, now I realize I can go and do what they did. So all of this that I have is not just for me. I need to run out these doors and share it with everybody that I can come into contact with. Because the good news is, is that what I have freely been given is not just for me, but it's available for Mama and them, it's available for Pookie and them, it's available for, available for Darlene and them, it's available for, available for Becky and them, it's available for, for Hoon, Hoon Gang and the rest of them, it's available for everybody. And all I gotta do is stand in my position of identity of who I am because the world is waiting for me to act like who I am. The Bible says it this way. The world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. When will the true sons stand up and be who they are? It's time to accept all that we are as the righteousness of God. No longer should you struggle with this issue of not being enough. With this issue of being a sinner. You begin to stand up in who you are and now speak with boldness to anything in your life that's not lining up with what you know God's promises are for your life. You don't accept anything less than God's best for your life. You boldly speak to every mountain to get out your way. It said, and be cast into the sea. How come the sea? Because you ain't going to never see it again. I don't need you moving over there and you still be in my, my viewpoint. No, you go to the, I don't want to see you no more. Won't be even reminded of the things that used to hold you back. Why? Because I'm convinced I'm the righteous. Walking and living the life that God has called me to. And I dare not keep it all to myself. Can't wait to go out and share it with another. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise for that on tonight. <laughs> Father God, we thank and praise you that we are your righteous. And we thank and praise you, Father God, for all that you've made available. Lord, we just pray that as we continue on throughout the rest of this week, that we stand boldly in the position that you've placed us in. We are no longer sinners, but we are indeed the righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Because this is all in you. And we give you all the glory out and praise for it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Come on and give God another hand clap of praise. Amen. Now let's give, let's trust God as we always do. And, 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 and so, so into the kingdom. Do what God tells you to do. Tithe. Mature believers tithe. Not because they're trying to be blessed but because they just simply say, God, I'm going to do what Abraham did before there was even a law. Let me give you a tenth of what, I, what you've blessed me with because I'm blessed. Not because I'm trying to be blessed, not because I'm trying to maintain a blessing. It's maintained through the acts of Jesus. 
But now as a mature believer, I'll tithe. I'll sow. Why? Because I trust God. I trust God. I'm not worried about anything. He told me to do this. I'm going to do it. Well, Archie, what if I don't have a tithe? God still loves you. God still loves you. He loved the widow uh, with uh, Jesus, acknowledged the widow with the two mites. That, they didn't say that was a tithe. He just said she gave um, much more than everybody else. So the point is, don't let money have you. Don't let that spirit of mammon, which is a spirit that wants to control your trust in anything other than God. Submit your will to him and say, Lord, I'm the righteousness of you. What you want to do today? And then just obey and trust him. No pressure. That's what causes you not to be a cheerful giver is the pressure that you put on yourself of performance and giving. No, God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because the cheerful giver is the giver who's trusting him. Trust him. If you're giving by text, you can uh, follow those directions that are on the screen. Let's go ahead and take those offerings. Father, we thank and praise you right now. We call this seed, good seed going into good ground. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory out and praise for the results that come from our obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we go, if you're in this room and you don't know Christ as your Savior, get down here to the front. We want to pray with him for you. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can come on down. And last but not least, if you want to join the church, uh, it's a wonderful church. Preach the word of God with simplicity and understanding. And we're growing and growing and growing. And we're excited about what God is doing. So if that's you on any one of those three things, come down here to the front. We'll pray with him for you on tonight. Would there be anybody in the house who needs prayer or are we all good? Give me a thumbs up if we're all good. I think we're all good. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. So are you blessed? Are you the righteous? How come? Because Jesus. There you go. Don't get no deep answer. Just because Jesus. I'm I'm the righteousness because Jesus. Why? Because he's already fulfilled the law. And so you're the righteousness of God. How do you know you're righteous? Because Jesus. Show it to me in the Bible. You go and take them to these scriptures you took notes on, that you studied on, and just show it to them. Show it to them, really, show it to them in every translation you can find so they can just see it. And watch, watch the, the veil just kind of be pulled off their eyes, and they'll be like, wait a minute, now there's something to what you're saying. And just watch what God begins to do in their life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we prepare to be dismissed. Father, we thank you for the word that we received as we leave this place. We go... in your grace, now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the almighty God. He presents us faultless to him. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. We thank you for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget about our South service tomorrow night. I'll be uh, there live. Uh, If you can get there, get there. If not, tune in. We're just going to be picking up and rolling with this. So it's going to be live on our YouTube channel, and we'll just be moving forward with it. So don't miss it. Uh, We love you guys. Enjoy the rest of this week with your righteous self. Uh, You are dismissed. We love you guys.